The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good this morning? All right, all right. Well, I... I was sitting down front, like I usually do during worship, and uh, you guys sound so good. Doesn't our band do a great job leading us in worship every, every, that's kind of weak. I think they do a better job than that. Come on, give it up for our band. They do a great job. They do a great job. I, uh, my son came down. He doesn't normally do that. He's usually up in kids' ministry. I don't know why he's in here, but I'm glad he's here. And uh, he came down. I loved it. There he is right there. So I just, it was fun worshiping with my son this morning. My kids are back in school. Your kids are back in school. We're heading into the fall. It's an exciting time during the year. Thinking about kids, uh, how many of you guys grew up in a time where your parents showed you love by their action. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? I'm a little more seasoned than some of you guys in this room this morning. Some of you guys are shaking your head. You know what I mean? If you've ever heard this statement as a kid, if you ever heard it as a kid, son, I'm only doing this because I what? Love you. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a non-politically correct time. I got spanked for what I did not do wrong. And I was told I got spanked because my parents loved me. Love is so confusing today. So confusing. In a world of likes and like buttons, it's so confusing. I read a story this week about a kid who grew up in a very strict home. This is not my home, but it was a kid who grew up in a very strict home. And his parents were always telling him what he could and could not do. And so one day he was up in his parents' bedroom and he broke broke their bedroom window because he was throwing the baseball around. This is not my home, I promise you, all right? Although it sounds like my home, it's not my home. And so the kid broke the window and he heard his dad marching up the stairs and he heard his dad take off his belt. I don't know if you grew up in an era where you, my dad, you knew what was about to happen because he would fold the belt over and he would pop it and you knew what was going to happen. I knew my dad was about to love me. And... Uh, <laughs> And so this kid hears his dad coming up the stairs and he hears him take his belt off and the, and, and the kid is terrified. He grew up in a home where there were rules and you could do this and you couldn't do this and he knew he broke a rule and his dad comes in the room and he's got his belt off and when he comes in the room, he hands the belt to the child and then the dad takes his shirt off and he bends over the bed and he says, son, I want you to whip me with this belt seven times. <laughs> And the kid starts crying. He's like, Dad, I, 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 can't, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. And he says, no, son, I want you to whip me with this belt seven times. And finally, the son whips the dad with the belt. It just reminds me of the tangible, actionable love of Jesus. We live in a world where this idea of love is so confusing. We're in a series, the third week today. In this series we called Unusual Suspects, we've been taking a look and capturing a glimpse at the types of people that Jesus would attract, the types of people that Jesus came to serve, the types of people that Jesus came to save. And today we, we get such a beautiful picture, a tangible picture of the love of Jesus today that is actual, not feeling oriented. And I'm so excited. We're only gonna make it through two verses today, but it's gonna be really, really good. If you happen to bring up Bible, Luke chapter five, we're gonna start in verse 12 today. Luke chapter five, we're gonna start in verse 12 today. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We're gonna put it on the screen. But if you did, turn it on or turn it to Luke chapter five starting in verse 12. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you that your love is tangible, it's actionable, and God, I pray today you would give us the eyes to see, the hands and the feet to move in the direction of this tangible love. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, 
Amen and amen. Luke chapter five, starting in verse 12. The title of the message today is Unusual Love. Verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Other versions of the Bible say he was full of leprosy. Remember, the author here is Dr. Luke. He understands medical conditions. He's describing the condition this man is in. And it's interesting, he says, he's covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, the Bible says, he fell on his face to the ground. And he begged Jesus, and this is what he said when he begged him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here we have a man who is stricken with a disease called leprosy. It's called Hansen's disease in our day. And this day, it was an incurable skin disease. Even today in 2019, we still find leper colonies around the world. In this day, it was a terrible disease that you never wanted to contract. It was debilitating. It was a skin disease. It was characterized by red sores that you'd have on your skin. Oftentimes, these red sores became very porous. It was painful to take a bath. Oftentimes, uh, people with leprosy would not bathe for months, years, even decades, because when the leprosy became so severe, these pores would open up and it would cause pain even when they would take a bath. It would cause severe nerve damage to the point where you could injure yourself. You wouldn't even know that you were injured because you couldn't feel it. When somebody's blind, they can't see. When somebody's deaf, they can't hear. But when somebody has leprosy, the essence of it is that you cannot feel. And so the infected parts of the body here have gone numb on this man. You eventually lose all sensitivity in the body. Beyond that, though, when somebody has leprosy here in biblical times, if somebody contracted leprosy, it's considered incurable. Today, it's curable. In this day, it was considered incurable. And those who had been diagnosed with leprosy had been banned from society. If you have time, you can go back and read the book of Leviticus chapter 13. It really describes the process of someone who has leprosy. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 says, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, must let his hair be unkempt, must cover the lower part of his face. This is when he's out in public and he would cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as he has the infection, Leviticus 13 says, he remains unclean. Now listen to the last part of this verse. He must live alone. And listen to this word. He must live outside the camp. If you had leprosy in this day, you were a person who was isolated from everybody. A lot of people believe that if you had leprosy, it was a condition because you were cursed by God for some sort of sin in your life. You can imagine, these are people who need compassion, but they never received it. And because leprosy is infectious, the result is you're quarantined from people. Think about it for a moment. You're separated from your spouse. You're separated from your kids, you don't live in community because you're sent to live, as the Bible says, outside the camp. You can't enjoy all the things that all of us normally enjoy. You you can't sit down at a meal at a restaurant with people. You couldn't go to the mall with people. You couldn't freely go to church with people. You couldn't have a job because you couldn't be around people. And so typically lepers in biblical times would live alone. Oftentimes they would live in other communities with other lepers. They smelled terrible because they couldn't 
couldn't bathe. This was a horrendous condition. And so when other people come near, they would shout out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people would walk on the opposite side of the road from those who had leprosy. Some commentators say it was not uncommon for people to carry rocks in their pocket and they would throw at lepers to keep them away. This was a horrible disease. Think AIDS, think bubonic plague, think the black death. That's what it was in its day. And so I I wanted to describe what's going on with this man here for one reason and because I want you to feel a bit of the pain and the devastating emotion this man was feeling. Destroyed, without hope, without a cure. And so Jesus is in one of these towns. You remember in Luke chapter four, we started three weeks ago, Jesus is preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth and he's kicked out, brought to the edge of the town. And then he goes and preaches in Capernaum, also in Galilee. And so now he's preaching in one of these towns near this leper and the leper comes to Jesus and he wants to get to Jesus, you can imagine, because he's so absolutely desperate. And so the man comes near, undoubtedly, he's shouting, unclean, unclean as he gets near Jesus. The stench is overwhelming. I'm positive people are cursing at him, shouting at him, telling him to stay away. He's not showered. Who knows? In possibly years, maybe even decades. Luke says he's full of leprosy. Listen to what Dr. Luke says. He's full of leprosy. This was an early onset skin disease. His skin is red. His skin is, is probably porous. There's, there's pus oozing out of his skin. It's affected his ears, and it's affected his eyes, and it's affected his eyelids. It's affected his fingers. And when Jesus, and when he saw Jesus, the Bible says, he fell on his feet, and he begged Jesus to take away the disease. This man is so desperate. Hear what's happening. He's, he's, he's desperate He's in such a desperate state to to get on his hands and his knees and to lay prostrate before Jesus would have been a painful experience. There's no grace in how he approaches Jesus here. And he falls headfirst into the dusty ground and he, in order to worship before Jesus. And you can almost hear, you can almost hear the pain in this agony, in the years of rejection, the hesitation in this man's voice. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can hear this mental, this emotional desperation in this man. He's sick of being treated like garbage. He's sick of being rejected. He's sick of being despised. You ever feel... Sometimes like people treat you like a leper. You ever feel mistreated? You ever feel like people are overlooking you? Ever feel like people are looking down on you? Ever feel like that? Ever feel like maybe you're being excluded from social circles? You ever feel like you're a forgotten face in a crowd? Maybe there's something in your past and you know it's in your past. You've been trying to get over your past, but there's always somebody in your present who's constantly reminding you of your past. Can I say to you today, do what the leper did. Cry out to God. The leper begged God. Another version says he implored God. God, the essence of what this leper is doing here, he's making a plea. 
based on a significant need in his life. This isn't just a simple prayer. This isn't just a simple request this man is making here. This is honest begging. This is someone desperately saying, please, I'm begging you today. Let's be honest this morning. Let's be just vulnerable in church today if we can do that. Too many of us just pray half-heartedly. We go to God like, you know what, God, I got this, I got this little problem, God. I'm, I'm hoping you can help me out, God. Uh, but if not, you know what, I'll just continue to deal with it, God. I'm sorry to bother you, God. Amen. Sometimes we go to God so half-heartedly. Sometimes the only occasion that we go to God is when, when a need comes up, when there's a visible crisis. St. Augustine once said, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. We don't often see this type of faith that we see here in Luke chapter 5. We don't often see that. We don't often see it in our present day. We don't often see it in the Bible. We don't often see this type of faith and trust that we see in the leper until something difficult comes along. Some of us have the habit of only going before Jesus when something desperate comes up, when there's no hope. But when you come to that place, when you feel like this leper, you, you know you can't deal with it on your own any longer. And you know you need help. You know it's not any human being, it's not help that any human being can give you. You need divine help. You need God's help. And listen to me, it's good for us to go to people for wisdom. I go to people for wisdom all the time. But listen, there are times when only God can supply a need. He's not the last Hope, he's, he's the first hope. Do you notice the leper here doesn't go to the disciples? The leper here has already obviously been to a priest. That was Jewish custom. He doesn't even go to the priest. He, he goes to Jesus and he falls prostrate before Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And notice here, the leper's not demanding something of Jesus. He's, he's not telling God, God, listen, listen, you need to do this or else I'm going to stop attending church. God, if you don't do this, I'm going to stop tithing. Or he, you don't see this man bargaining some sort of promises with God. God, if you get me out of this boat in the middle of this storm, God, I promise I will never go on a boat again. My dad used to tell me that was a real story in his life. God, if you get me off this boat, I'll never go on a boat again. This is humble and bold faith that the leper is demonstrating here. It's not hard to get this sense of his voice shaking as he begs Jesus for his grace. What do you think is going on in this guy's mind? What do you, what do you think he's processing in his mind as he's begging Jesus? Obviously, this man believes Jesus can do anything he's asking. You know, I want to ask you this morning, is anything too difficult for God? Is anything too difficult for God? Last week, some of you are friends, we're friends on Facebook, and you may have seen this. I even talked about it this morning with somebody who asked about it. But last week, uh, my kids locked the door and, um, in my daughter's bedroom, and uh, we had some friends over, and we have, unfortunately, one set of keys to all the interior doors in our home. And uh, my son went and got the keys. We had friends over, and my son threw the keys in the, uh, in the closet of my daughter's bedroom. And so 
On Monday, when she's going to school, she locks the door. She never does this. I don't know why she did it, but she locked the door and she closed it and the door's locked. So we go get to get the keys. And when we go to get the keys, we're like, where are the keys? And you're like, oh, Roman threw them in the closet inside Eden's room. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is awesome. We've been here before. And so, um, and so my first response was, well, I'll just kick the door down and we'll get the keys because I've had to do that before. And, um, and so I'm like, I'm just going to kick the door down. I'll call John Harrett tomorrow. He'll come over, replace the door jam, and it'll all be good. And my wife's like, baby, these are 80-year-old doors. We can't find these doors anywhere. You can't kick the door down. And so I'm like, okay, well, then I'll, I'll go to Google. And so I went to Google. <laughs> And I went to YouTube and I watched all of these professional lock pickers pick a lock with, with a bobby pin. No luck. I watched people pick a door with a hair pin. No luck. I watched people pick a door with a paper clip. No luck. And so then I turned to Facebook and I begged for help. <laughs> and some of you guys are funny. You're jokesters. You are because you posted on my wall. You really are. And so that didn't work either because none of you guys know how to do it either. And so... I, 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 the next day, we're on day two of the door being locked. Eden slept outside the night before. We didn't even have a place for her to sleep. I'm kidding. But so I went and picked, I went and bought a $35 professional lock picking set from the locksmith the next day. And it's weird asking, hey, at Home Depot, do you sell a lock picking set? I promise my kids locked it in, the, in, the, in, the, in their bedroom. And so I go and buy this $35 lock picking set and I'm working, I'm literally seven hours deep trying to get this door open. Over two days, I'm seven hours deep. I cannot get this door open. I'm desperate. I kid you not, this is what we did. Roman, Laura, let's, let's all come in front of the door right now. <laughs> we grabbed hands and we started praying. I kid you not. We started praying, God, we cannot open this door. And in my heart, I didn't pray this out loud. God, I'm so mad right now. If you would just open this door. God, we cannot. I'm desperate. God, open the door. I kid you not. We literally held hands in front of the door, and we prayed for the door to open. I don't know if God was just going to push it open, kick it open, or whatever. I didn't even care in the moment. I didn't care if it was going to cost me 100 bucks for John Herod to come fix it. I just wanted the door open. A few minutes later, my neighbor Tony comes and knocks on the door. A few minutes after that, Eden's door was open. <laughs> it was such a funny, it's such a funny story to me. And I knew I was going to work this in an illustration somehow. And I thought, I'll just wait six months. But I can't wait that long. Something happens like that. It's just so funny. But my, my thought is this morning, is anything too hard for God? Some of you have not yet realized that your problems are not too hard for God. Your situation's not too difficult for God. In your hands, it's too hard. In God's hands, it's not too hard. Nothing is impossible. In your hands, your marriage is irreconcilable. In God's hands, it's not. In your hands, your relationships are irreconcilable. In God's hands, they're not. In your hands, your emotional stability is impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Your pain is too difficult for you to handle, but in God's hands, it's no trouble at all. So why don't you plead with God? 
Why don't you ask God to step in to your circumstances? Why? I'm asking today, why aren't you pleading with God to step into your circumstances? Do you not believe? What is, it? What is the reason? Do you not believe that God's intentions towards you are good? Do you think God's too busy to care about your concerns? Maybe you think, well, my problem's just too small. It's just a locked door. My problem is too petty for God to step in. Do you think maybe God's just not going to answer? God's too busy with somebody else's problems, somebody else's marriage, somebody else's kids, somebody else's financial problems. God's just not going to answer. One pastor described the process of waiting and begging God to answer, and he says it like this, we can draw no deadlines for God. He hastens or he delays as he see fits. And his timing is all loving towards his children. On that, we might learn to be patient in our hour of darkness. I don't mean that we make peace with darkness. We fight for joy, but we fight as those who are saved by grace and held by Christ. And listen to what he says. We say that our night will soon, in God's timing, turn today. Maybe this morning you're afraid of how God will answer your prayer request. Can I just remind you of what scripture says? Luke chapter 11 says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let me remind you what 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What's too hard for God today? What's too difficult for God today? What's too petty for God today? What's too mundane for God today? You don't have to be afraid to ask God for anything. I'm praying for some of you. I'm praying specifically for some of you for things that only God is able and willing to do. I'm praying specifically for some marriages in this room that God would reconcile them and restore them. I'm praying for some kids in this room that God would give them the faith and trust to believe in him. I'm praying for God to give some of you clarity about some significant life choices in your life today. I'm also praying for some of you that God would satisfy your heart in him today before he ever gives you a spouse. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. One Bible scholar says, there are at least six basic prayers that God will always answer. Wouldn't you know like to know what those prayers are? Like, what are those prayers? If I pray, I know God's going to answer. One Bible scholar says there's at least six that God will always answer. The first one is this. If you ask God to glorify himself through you, Habakkuk 2.14 says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God will always answer the prayer that he would glorify himself in you. The second thing, he will always answer the prayer of forgiveness. God, forgive me. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The third prayer God will always answer is that he will reveal more of himself to you. God, would you just show me more of yourself? Jeremiah 31 says, I will put my law within them 
and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people and no longer will each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. What's the fifth prayer that God will always answer? I'm sorry, the fourth prayer that God will always answer. God will always answer your prayer for wisdom. God will always answer your prayer for wisdom. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to you. The fifth prayer that God always answers is God, give me the strength to obey you. Give me the strength to obey you. The scripture says in Philippians 2, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The sixth prayer that God will always answer. Take the gospel to those who do not know it. Take the gospel, God, to my neighbors. Take the gospel to my friends. God will always answer that prayer. Why? That's because it's his desire. Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then he says, then the end will come. Why aren't you pleading to God today? Why aren't you going to God with whatever is on your heart, whatever is in your life, whatever circumstance you're wading through today. Can I say to you, God's answers to your prayers today, they are not arbitrary. God's prayers, his answers to your prayers are not arbitrary. And by the way, God's not withholding something from you. Some of you are in a season, you're like, God, why are you withholding this answer in my life? He's not withholding something from you as if he's trying to put you through this, this cosmic test of pain tolerance. God is not withholding something from you. He knows your needs, and you don't have to barter with God, and especially to the God who provides. Can I say this to you, and it's worth writing down, it's worth remembering, it's worth tweeting today. If God doesn't give you what you're asking, then he's probably protecting you from it. If God doesn't give you what you're asking, he's probably protecting you from it. How do we know that? Because God only gives good gifts. God only gives good gifts. And if he withholds something from you, you can believe it's because that blessing doesn't serve his purpose in your life, which is to conform you to the image of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, once said, a Christian trust him where he cannot trace him. And some of you today are having a difficulty trusting God because you cannot see God and you cannot see his answer. But I want to say to you, whatever is pressing in on your soul, and some of you, there's some really significant things pressing in on your life today. And whenever you're alone, and whenever those tears are falling down your face. I want you to be reminded and I want you to be certain today that your prayers are heard and they're answered by a God who holds everything in his hands. He's the God who provides. He's the God who nourishes. He's the God who promises to make all things new. Do you feel like a leper today? Do you feel like You've been looked over? Do you feel like you've been looked down upon? Do you feel desperate today? Then the scripture would call us to call out to Jesus to make us clean.
Implore Jesus. Implore Jesus to make us clean. Implore Jesus to change us. Implore Jesus to cleanse us, to beg, plead, ask Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now look how Jesus responds. I told you we'd only make it through two verses today. Look how Jesus responds to the man in verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus touched him. This is startling, by the way. This is startling and it's surprising because in Jewish law, if you know the Bible, in Jewish law, in Jewish law, if you touched a person who was unclean, you also became unclean. How long had it been since this man had been touched? Years? Decades? How long had it been since somebody had embraced this man? How long had it been since somebody had given him a high five? How long had it been since somebody had given this man a hug? The Bible says he's full of leprosy. This isn't a new experience to this guy. He's used to people looking away. He's used to people running away. He's used to people shouting at him. He's used to people speaking under their breath or ignoring him. And everybody's greatest fear of this man was to touch him. Yet that's exactly what Jesus did. The word touch here, it's so much stronger than just simply, just simply touch. It, it could be translated, Jesus took hold of him. Who knows, maybe Jesus wrapped his arms around this man's shoulders. Maybe Jesus embraced this man. By the way, we also know Jesus could have healed this guy without touching him. We see it happen over and over in the Bible, in the Gospels. Jesus can heal people with, with, with just his voice. Jesus could have healed this man without touching him. But Jesus comes with all authority. He comes with all power. And he could have simply said, be clean. But what does he do? There's crowds of people who are curious. They're watching Jesus. There's religious people surrounding the situation going on today. This was an extraordinarily unusual situation. And Jesus stops, and he stops teaching, and he reaches out his hand, and he touches this man. What's going through this guy's mind? What's going through this guy's mind? You gotta think, there's, there's a part of this guy who's wondering, oh my gosh, have, have I made a mistake Oh my gosh, have I put myself in danger? I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be this near to people. I'm prostrate. I'm vulnerable. I'm desperate. I don't know if I should even be here in this moment. I'm broken. I've got a life-altering disease. And what does he receive? A touch from Jesus. This is the Jesus that we love. This is the Jesus that we love. This is the Jesus who's full of compassion. This is the Jesus who's full of affection for humanity. This is the Jesus who publicly dignifies what society has shunned. And Jesus knows this man's physical need. It's obvious to everybody who's watching, but maybe he touches this leper. Why? Because he knows this leper needs to feel the love of God. 
The healing would be incredible. But what this man really needs is to know the love that God has for him. Do you feel like a leopard today? Do you feel like you're constantly passed over, looked over? Do you feel desperate? Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. I'm here with you. I sympathize with you. I love you. I understand you. And Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper and he says to him, I love you and I'm proving it by my touch. And I believe Jesus shows this man love for another reason. We didn't read the first 11 verses of chapter five. I skipped over that today. I'm gonna go back to it next week for a very good reason. But in the first 11 verses of chapter five, Jesus calls four men to be his disciples, the first four men that he's called to be his disciples. And when he calls them, he tells them that when you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to love people. I'm going to teach you how to reach people. The the, the illustration that he uses is an illustration of fishing. If you're gonna fish for people, I'm going to show you how to be effective fishermen. And Jesus is teaching these four disciples. I'm confident as they watch this this unusual display of love happen. He's teaching them if you're ever going to be a fisher of men, if you're ever going to reach out and touch someone, you first have to love them. You got to look past the scars you got to look, look past the, the wounds. you got to look past the rotting flesh. you got to look past the missing fingers. you got to look past the toes. And you just have to love people. As I'm preparing this message, I'm thinking of a man in my life who has led a ministry to homeless in downtown Atlanta every single week for years and years and years. And 80% of his Facebook posts are all about how we can help people that he's ministering to through a job, through a car, through housing. I think of this man who has loved people who most in society would consider unlovable. And Jesus is teaching us here how to do it. If you wanna love your neighbor, The first thing you do is show them love. Mow their lawn. Meet a need. Invite them over for dinner. Find out what they need and meet the need. And Jesus is teaching these four disciples who are watching this unusual display of love. And and it's, it's, if we are disciples as well, we learn from what's happening here. The body of Christ has now been given the privilege and the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus today. We've got the privilege and the opportunity to reach out and minister to hurting and broken people and desperate people with the love that Jesus would show them. And so I ask you today, who in your life needs this unusual type of love? Who in your neighborhood needs this unusual type of love? Who in your kids' classes need this unusual type of love? And Jesus modeled this for his disciples. And if you're a disciple today, we will do the same. Jesus says here, I am, what does he say? Willing. I am willing. Sometimes in the Bible, we see a physical miracle to illustrate a spiritual truth. And we're seeing that here in this passage as well. And part of the teaching of this passage is that Jesus is willing to heal you today, to cleanse you today, to purify you today of what, Pastor Matt? Of this disease that the Bible calls sin. 
You know, the challenge is some of us in a postmodern, secular society, we don't feel the effects of the idols in our life yet. We don't feel the effects of, of these idols that have separated us from God. We don't yet realize because these idols have become so strong in our life that we are separated from God, and we don't yet realize that God's offer to heal us and to cleanse us just seems so foreign. And maybe today you've never realized that your sin has this stench about it that is so offensive to God, yet simultaneously, God is willing to go above and beyond your imagination to love you, to heal you, to cleanse you. Some of you here this morning have been feeling the effects of brokenness, desperation for a really, really long time. Some of you have been a part of some really dirty and nasty and really vile things in your life, maybe even recently. Some of you in this room have had those things happen to you and done to you through abuse, maybe even rape. You've been lied to, you've been cheated on, you've been taken advantage of, and you feel dirty today. The Bible says the condition of sin is as deep as the condition of leprosy. And it causes you to be separated from God, to have to live outside the camp. It's caused you to be insensitive. It ultimately leads to death. And because of that, we're all in the same position as a leper desperately in need of cleansing and healing. And God's reaction to our condition is not the same reaction that humanity would have as in the same reaction of being repulsed by sin. Jesus looks at our sin. It's equally as grotesque as leprosy and he touches that sin and he overcomes it. And if you would ask Jesus today to heal you of that sin, to cleanse you of that sin, just like the leper did, Jesus would respond the same way. I will. When we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, he doesn't just forgive us. He cleanses us. As some of you today need a desperate cleansing from God. You feel dirty. You feel desperate today for what you have done, what's been done to you. The promise of God to you today is he will forgive you of your sins, but he will go a step further and he will cleanse you. And the only adjective that you have to use now to describe your life is that you are a follower of Jesus. You're no longer an addict. You're no longer an abuser. You're no longer an adulterer. You're a follower of Jesus. He's given you a new identity. You now walk with Jesus. You've been changed. You've been given the privilege of living a new life as if you were reborn. God, would you do that today? Do you need a touch by Jesus today? Do you want to feel the strength and the courage and the love to touch others as Jesus did as well. We didn't get to verse 16 here. But in verse 16, the crowds are pressing in on Jesus. And as the crowds press in on Jesus, Jesus walks away. There's lots of need, but Jesus says, I'll be back. When are you coming back, Jesus? When I get back. Because I've emptied the bucket, and when God refills the bucket, I'll come back. Do you need to be touched by Jesus today? 
do you need to understand the strength and the courage and the love of Jesus to others, to touch others as well? Well, if you do this morning, then we need to do exactly what Jesus did in verse 16, and that is to make time with God your priority. If you want the touch of God, spend as much time with him as you can. Just like the lepers, seek Jesus out, fall on your face before him, spend time with him in his word, pray to Jesus, make him a priority, and he will come to you. We need to ask Jesus to help us learn to love those whom society would prefer not to love. I close with this. Henry Nouwen, very popular author, used to work in orphanages in Peru. He worked with AIDS victims in San Francisco. And he talks about this need, this, this desire that's in all of us to feel loved. Here's what he writes about these orphans in Peru. How little do we really know the power of physical touch? Those boys and girls only wanted one thing, to be touched, to be hugged, to be cared for. Probably most adults have the same needs, but no longer have the innocence and the unselfconsciousness to express them. Sometimes I see humanity as a sea of people starving for affection, tenderness, care, love, acceptance, forgiveness, and gentleness. Everyone seems to cry, please love me. This was the cry of the leper. This is the cry of people we encounter every single day. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage us as a church to love them as Jesus loved them. But maybe today you need to allow Jesus to love you. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads? We're going to sing one song. We're going to be done. But maybe you came today and you've heard of the love of Jesus, but today you tangibly, physically, actionably saw the love of Jesus in this passage. The ability of Jesus to take what the Bible calls a disease of sin and to cleanse you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You know, maybe you've never trusted Jesus for that. Today, I want to beg you. I want to plead with you to do that. Nothing magical or mystical about it. It will embarrass you, make you stand on the stage, say anything you don't want to say. But today, if you do some business with the Lord and come before him and recognize before God the sin in your life, confess that sin, ask Jesus to forgive you of that sin, confess to Jesus you're going to repent and turn from that sin, then Jesus has promised to us today. It's not that he might, not that he ought to, not that he can, but he will save you. God, would you save some people today? That's your desire. I pray that you would just ask that of the Lord today to forgive you, to cleanse you, to heal you of your sin, to bring unity with God back in your life. Jesus, thank you for today. God, may we be a people, a church, known in our city for loving the unlovable. God, for being people who reach out and touch and minister to people just as you did, God. You publicly dignified what society has shunned. God, may we be people who are willing to be used by you to touch people with the love of Jesus.